Good afternoon and welcome to Grow PDX. Thank you for listening here on X-Ray FM and via Facebook Live on the or- at the Oregonian. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU, with our digital producer, Diana Suarez. Today on Grow PDX, we're going to talk with Matt Gordon and Nellie McAdams of Rogue Farm Corps about farmland preservation and training the next generation of farmers here in the Northwest. Welcome, Nellie. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Before we dive into these topics, let's start with a little farming humor. What is a scarecrow's favorite fruit? Strawberries. Ah. <laughs> ah, there we go. And have what what new crop did the farmer plant? Beats me. Oh. <laughs> and one more for you. Farmers earn a meager celery. Come home beat and just want to read the pepper, turnip the covers. <laughs> And dive into bed. All this clever <laughs> wordplay, Weston. And farmer, it, farming is really hard work, and we'll get to that soon enough. And also, a uh, new tradition here on Grow, PDX, Grow PDX is that we are going to celebrate our plant of the week. And this week, it's green garlic. Ooh. Matt, go ahead and raise that up for the camera and tell us, show and t- tell us about this. Yeah, it's so, show and tell. So we have green garlic here, which is basically the garlic plant, uh, completely the whole thing, all the way from the roots to the top, pulled out of the ground. And it is before the garlic has matured a bulb. So if you're watching uh, on the video stream, you can see that there's no bulb on the bottom there. Uh, can you see that? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> It's um, the whole thing is edible at this stage, so you can cut up Ooh. the entire thing all the way up to the leaves and chop it into a stir fry, or you can even make green garlic pesto out of it. Just add some oil mm. and, and cheese and nuts. Mm-hmm. All um, right, and, and green garlic is sort of economical because waiting for garlic to uh, mature in bulbs takes a long, long time, so it might behoove folks to plant extra garlic, harvest some of that right about now as part of early spring. Um, salads and soups and whatnot. Yeah, and one thing to note is that if you want to do green garlic, it's best to do a soft neck soft variety neck because mm. the hard neck variety will um, they'll have a woody stalk woody starting stalk to already. form in the middle. That's great it, advice. How else is it different from regular garlic? What's like the regular garlic you find in the store typically? So it's not the plant isn't any different. It's uh-huh. just that it you've harvested earlier, Got so it. before it's formed a bulb. So later in the that, summer, yeah. okay, um, in July, usually uh-huh. around here, uh, early July, you'd uh, have a bulb formed here at the base, and you just take that part, part let it cure, uh-huh. and. Um, discard the rest once it's dry okay gotcha yeah and then if folks are wanting to grow garlic for the bulb the best practices are really to plant it in october Mm -hmm. and then to to keep it weed free which is challenging because it's a long long season Mm -hmm. and then uh adding some fertilizer to the garlic in march and then probably again in may blood meal is a good fertilizer to really get nice sizable heads of garlic 
And in terms of keeping it weed free, we've had a lot of great success using plastic mulches as a way to help to minimize the weed pressure along the way. Any other advice on garlic, Matt? Um, well, if you have a dry early summer or like late spring, it does benefit from some irrigation. Irrigation, mm -hmm. yeah. And this year, we'll see how quickly the soil dries out. Are you planning to irrigate it coming up? I probably will hit it probably once or twice with some water. But then um, before harvest, it's good to let it dry out for a couple of weeks so you don't get fungal disease yep. on your garlic bulbs. And then the yep. process of curing garlic, tell us about that. Yeah, so harvest uh, and then hang to dry usually in bunches of six or ten uh, cloves. Uh, you can uh, hang it with the tops on and then after two or three weeks uh, hang it in a uh, dry um, cool place for about two or three weeks and then uh, clip the tops down to however short you want it, maybe an inch or so above the bulb Yeah, and then it should be uh, cured. You can trim the roots at that point as well. Cool. And Diana Suarez, do we have folks joining us on Facebook today? Yeah, we got a couple friends joining us. We got Amanda, Joni, Shannon, Ron, and Rhonda. And then a couple comments. Uh, Jenny says, we need to stop the selling of the Northwest Transmission Grid. Does that mean anything to y'all? I don't think we can address that one right here. Okay, got it. And then we got Rhonda saying, preserve our farmland. That's what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Thanks, definitely. Rhonda. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for listening to Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcast. This we're, I'm Weston Miller with OSU with Diana Suarez. Our guests are Nellie McAdams and Matt Gordon of Rogue Farm Corps. Uh, for both of you, tell our audience about Rogue Farm Corps in general. What are you all up to? I'll, I'll take that one. Um, so Rogue Farm Corps is a nonprofit <coughs> serving Oregon. It's been around since 2003. And... We uh, facilitate the training of the next generation of farmers and the preservation of Oregon's farmland. Yeah, and why should we care about the next generation of farmers? What's at stake? I mean, I'm sure food is probably a big answer, but do you have a more nuanced answer than that? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of benefits that Oregon Oregonians get out of our agriculture. You know, not only the food, the green garlic that Matt was showing off that looks so delicious, but um, also... Um, having open space and um, our environment really depends upon these. Uh, there's sometimes the front ground to um, the natural spaces behind them, uh -huh. um, preventing development. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we also have an aging farm population. So, sure. uh, what, Nellie, what is the average age of an Oregon farmer at this point? 59.6, so yeah. almost retirement. Almost 68 years old. And the yeah. plan for new folks going on to those, those farms is sometimes there, but oftentimes not. And um, it also affects the preservation of farmland because if folks are farming now and they're going to sell the property or whatever, then yeah. that may or may not stay in agricultural production. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Put that in perspective. My grandma is around that age, which I know she's a young grandma, but, you know, that's your grandmas are out there farming your, your plants, guys. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's uh, help out our grandmas and grandpas <laughs> and get some farm people, get some farmers out there. And yeah. how specifically is Rogue Farm Corps working to address farmland preservation? We have a farm preservation program that works on both helping with the intergenerational transfer, so mm -hmm. passing it on from the older generation to the beginning farmers and ranchers we're training, but then also preserving that land base so that we can have food into the future. So we're looking at things like working lands easements that prevent development and allow the farmer to get some cash out of the property and make it cheaper for the beginning farmer. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I know you all have an event coming up on June 22nd. It's a summer solstice celebration. 
at the EcoTrust building. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we have a benefit celebration Thursday, June 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, at EcoTrust on the rooftop. So it'll be a great sort of s way to celebrate summer and the solstice uh, and get a, a little skyline view there. It's EcoTrust is at 721 Northwest 9th Avenue in Northwest Portland. And we'll have uh, seasonal cocktails. We'll have a tender bar there pouring cocktails. We'll have um, beer and wine and hopefully kombucha. And then we'll have Hot Lips Pizza up there selling slices. We'll have raffle prizes. We'll have live music by the Road Sodas, uh, kind of folk and bluegrass local band. Fun. Um, and yeah, just uh, a way to learn a little bit more about Rogue Farm Corps, meet some local food supporters, some farmers, some of our interns who are currently get being trained by our host farmers on the farm. So yeah, lots yeah, of lots where, Yeah, where can people find out more about this event? So if you go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Rogue Farm Corps, R-O-G-U-E Farm, C-O-R-P-S, then look at the events on our page. You should see the Portland Summer Celebration there. Fun. Yep. And we'll have a tag on our webpage too, which is roguefarmcore.org. Cool. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun and, and timely in terms of the solstice and celebrating the seasons and farming. Yeah, you can also find out more information about that on Grow PDX Facebook page. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. nice. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Grow PDX on X-Ray FM and via Facebook Live at The Oregonian. I'm your host, Weston Miller of OSU with digital producer Diana Suarez. That's me. We're talking with Matt Gordon and Nellie McAdams of Rogue Farm Corps. Matt, your work for Rogue Farm Corps, you're representing the Portland chapter. What does that mean exactly? And tell us about your internship program. Sure. So um, we have four chapters throughout the state of Oregon, Portland, South Willamette around Eugene, um, Rogue Valley around so, uh, Ashland, Medford, and Bend, uh, Central Oregon around Bend and Sisters. Each one of those chapters has about four or five to six host farms that are established working farms that want to help train the next generation of farmers. And what I do and what all of our chapters do is we uh, link them up with um, typically younger people, but they can be any age folks who want to get into farming. They want to dip their toe in in a real serious way for a season. So they, uh, they are placed with farms uh, that want to teach and they live and work alongside these host farmers for seven or eight months full-time and then they also we coordinate a class and field trip and farm tour series and discussion circle series for all of the interns in each one of our chapters so they have sort of an additional uh, educational curriculum. aspect mm -hmm. and curriculum cool. very structured yeah. that sounds cool it's mm -hmm. yeah. it's very structured and folks are also getting lots of hands-on skills yeah Nellie what's your role like is it much different from Matt's my role is very different I'm usually cool. interacting with a different generation of farmers so uh -huh. I just finished driving around 7,000 miles around the state and Whoa. visiting with about 1,000 farmers and ranchers and letting them know about some research that we recently did on how farmland's changing hands in Oregon and what that can mean for mm -hmm. our rural economies and environment. Yeah, and what, what, did, what were your findings? What were you telling these farmers? My findings were that a lot of them didn't have succession plans and a lot of them didn't have successors and yeah. felt really actually pretty bad about that. They mm -hmm. wanted to find people but didn't really know how to. Mm -hmm. um, they also wanted to preserve their land from development but didn't really have any idea what was going to happen to it afterwards. So um, the work that we did in that research and these listening sessions have um, really given us better information for future programs. 
Cool. And um, you're working to help s- promote a Oregon legislative House Bill 3249. Nellie, tell us about that. Sure. So Oregon Agricultural Heritage Program is a bill that a lot of groups have been working on for a couple years um, that would provide resources for succession planning, but also those working lands easements that I mentioned that would preserve agricultural land and help people pass it on. So um, this is a bill, um, if you feel inspired to support it, um, check it out online, contact your state representative and senator, and let them know that it's really important to you to preserve our agricultural land and heritage. Cool. And Oregon's agricultural businesses have deep family ties where land is held by families for multiple generations. What are the opportunities and challenges of this legacy in terms of succession? A lot of times there can be almost too many ties. So, you know, a, a, a farm is not just a business. It's something that people have a lot of heart connection to. It's an heirloom. It is also a business. It's the house that your grandpa built. And so it's very difficult for people to pull those things apart and to separate it up between the next generation like you would a normal estate. So estate planning for farmers and ranchers can be really hard. And it's hard to leave them with a viable business at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And there's many complicated legal details. Help our audience to get our minds around the breadth of all the considerations. Sure. Well, you have the Oregon estate tax, which kicks in at a million dollars. And so if you have any amount of land, you probably have an estate worth well over a million dollars. So you have to figure out how you're going to divide up that estate that's probably mostly real estate. So what people end up doing is selling off chunks of land in Mm. order to pay off the estate tax to pay their attorney to pay kids who aren't coming back to the farm. And we get a more fragmented landscape. Okay. And then... um, how does it work in terms of being able to build on these parcels when they're they're um, divided up and for people to be able to live on the property? Or is it generally not allowed? We have a land use program that has helped to prevent development on agricultural land. But we've still lost half a million dollar, uh, acres from agricultural use in the last 40 years with this program. So we find that that when land's fragmented, when it's put into parcels that are too small to support a family on, there's a higher chance that it might be brought into an urban growth boundary and be developed Mm -hmm. into the future. Mm -hmm. So you just get that shadow development the more that land is fragmented. Okay, Mm -hmm. so it makes it harder to keep it and smaller parcels are also more difficult to manage a lot of levels, so it just complicates the whole process of agriculture. And also, Nellie, there's not enough estate planners or real estate professionals or lenders in the game. How are y'all helping to build capacity in that regard? We've done trainings for attorneys on how to help with farm succession planning. Um, We're working on those with CPAs as well. You know, sometimes it it comes down to being more of a social worker or a counselor Mm -hmm. than just a pure professional. And Mm -hmm. so we're trying to teach them those soft skills as well. Cool. Yeah, I did. I did some farming with some families a couple summers ago, and I will say, you know, it's it's more than just going out there and planting things. You know, you're incorporated into these people's livelihoods and families, and you become a part of their family just the same. And it's it's really powerful stuff. And um, yeah, thanks so much for the work that you guys are doing to try to c- continue these legacies. Yeah. Thank you for bringing us on. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and, um, what are Nellie? What are some of the creative land access programs that are showing some promise? So how how can we get people who don't have money access to land so they can learn how to farm? Well, different land trusts in different states, like PCC Farmland Trust in Washington, have been working with a variety of tools 
including uh, working lands easements that prevent the land from being developed, allow it to still be farmed, and then uh, pay off the farmer um, some of the cash for the development rights that they purchase. So that is one of the tools that we've seen land trusts using to help elder farmers exit their property and to help beginning farmers be able to afford it and move on to it. Okay, and then um, there are some services for newer farmers to link up with folks. Tell us about Friends of Family Farmers um, Farm Link program. Yeah, if you are looking for land, for a partnership, land to buy or lease, you can look at Oregon Farm Link uh, that is a a program of Friends of Family Farmers that helps to connect land seekers with land owners. Um, So sort of called an e-farmony of, or (laughs) e-farmony. E-farmony, there we go. (laughs) That's fun. And I would also add that if you are um, a landholder looking to lease or sell some or all of your land, you can create a posting on that on that site as well, or or call friends of family farmers if you're not sure how to do that. And even smaller plots and urban plots are welcome. Cool. Now, Matt, let's get our our hands dirty, so to speak, and talk more specifically about the internship program that you all run. Why is it a big deal to have a farmer internship program here in Oregon? Yeah. um, So for for the farm um, owner's perspective, it's a it's a big deal because there are some legal challenges when you run an internship program. Um, You have to um, meet the six uh, qualifications for a legal internship, and so there have been some situations where uh, you know farms run an informal internship. They call it educational, and maybe they um, the in, it it goes sour for some reason or another. And um, down the road, you have some uh, legal challenge from that former intern saying, "Hey, you know, I wasn't actually an intern. I was actually um, labor, and I wasn't paid that fair wage." So our internship program, we believe, meets those legal um, that framework that's set up at, uh, we worked with uh, Oregon Department of Agriculture and Bureau of Labor to sort of um, to, to, to try to create the framework and the structure, the educational structure of our program. And we try to hold our host farmers uh, who are uh, mentoring these young farmers accountable to be good educators throughout the season um, and, and vice versa. We have contracts and agreements and evaluations throughout and check-ins throughout the season so that we really try to make sure that this is worthwhile for both the host farmers and the interns throughout the whole mm-hmm. season. Cool. So in other words, labor laws are um, important to abide by. Yeah, and definitely. if um, folks are spending time on farms and not being paid um, fair market wages, then that's really not fair for them. But by um, incorporating this really strong educational component, then it really makes it a legitimate internship where learning is the goal and the exchange of money is really a, a secondary thing. That's correct. And I will add to um, that our interns are provided with room and board and a monthly stipend to help them meet their living expenses. That's super crucial. Cool. Um, Matt, do you have an example of some RFC grads who have um, had a good experience and gone on to continue a career <coughs> in farming? Yeah, there's there's uh, quite a few good examples now um, as we're have been doing this for longer. Um, so I just from my experience, uh, we've had an intern in our first chap first year in our Portland chapter, which was 2015. She went on the next year back to some family land in California, and started her own farm right away after just one year of, of interning. And so she's 
up and running and, you know, kind of pulling herself up by her bootstraps and just making it happen. And she's selling veggies down there in Northern California. Um, we also have a, a couple, Justin and Tegan, who um, went through the program and then they went through our advanced program, which is um, still kind of in development, but we have about 10 folks in our advanced program this statewide this year um, who want to deepen their agricultural knowledge. So Justin and Tegan went through both the intro uh, introductory ap- internship and advanced level apprenticeship program yes. and then they moved on to some land um, out in the coast area I think okay. around Newport or something like that um, and yeah they're starting their farm they're as well. They're starting their own enterprise yeah, so as well. So there are more and more of these success stories That's really good to up, hear so to in terms of um, folks getting the training and then being able to apply their skills on the ground and then sort of dig themselves out of the the learning curve involved of getting an uh, enterprise going, but also, um, you know, having enough skill base to hopefully make it work on a reasonable level. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about um, access to land. I know there's a lot of interest among folks here in the Portland area, generally younger folks, in getting out and learning how to farm. Um, what are some ideas that y'all have where folks can just both trial their skills in terms of learning, but also legitimately get access to some property? Yeah. Um, well, one of the great benefits that we have locally is the Headwaters Incubator Program, right. um, and that is run by East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District uh, with the idea of addressing this access to land issue. Um, they lease out parcels of uh, small parcels of land and they're just east of Gresham they to beginning farmers who are ready to kind of strike out on their own and start a new business or maybe they've already started a business but they need some more significant land they lease land at a um, below market rate which ramps up uh, to market rate over the course of I think four or five years that they can be uh, on their land and in their program there and then they support them with some other trainings like business trainings and things like that. But the access to land and infra- infrastructure is the other big piece they have out there. Um, greenhouses, greenhouses, irrigation, tractors, tractors that they can rent, that kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. as a board member, I should mention that that is a project of the East Multnomah Soil and Water Conservation District. Yeah. So um, it's an unusual move for a, a SWCD, a Soil and Water Conservation District, to buy land and start an incubator. What's in it for the district? We see um, farmers, ranchers, people who live on the soil as being the front line to conservation efforts. They're the ones who steward the soil health, the ones who steward the riparian areas on that property too. And so if we can um, help to train and raise and um, give some training wheels to some of those farmers, uh, then we hope that that will have benefits for agriculture and conservation into the future. And it's also a fabulous location to demonstrate conservation on farm. And since it's at the headwaters of a creek, it's particularly relevant in terms of um, being able to slow the water down, capture it there, and do a lot of streamside restoration so that it really is serving as an example of um, the agriculture happening productively, but also conservation on the same property. Absolutely. Cool. Now, how about let's talk about learning to farm. Um, so what are some of the basic skills that folks need in order to get themselves going in a farming enterprise? 
So many things. <laughs> I mean, the list is uh, exhaustive. We have these curriculum lists that in our entry level program that are usually like six pages long. Yeah. Um, you know, some of it is soft skills like, uh, you know, showing up, uh, working hard, like uh, work getting along with your teammates, like things you, you would, would use in any any workplace, soft, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, not always soft, but yeah. Um, uh, important life skills. Right. Those say. kind of yeah. life skills. And then. Um, we have sort of the more hard agricultural skills, um, mm -hmm. things like if you're growing crops, things like learning how to run an irrigation system, learning about tillage, learning about how to properly transplant and seed, how to ha harvest efficiently, things about food safety and um, post-harvest handling. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's, there's other things like um, you start to getting like into the business side of things, which is another huge part, right? Marketing. Um, how to keep tr good records of your sales, your uh, um, equipment maintenance, your um, your yields, your yields, yeah. your your um, financial inputs and outputs mm -hmm. over the season. Mm -hmm. um, creating a business plan, you know. So a lot of these more financial and business side of things we touch on in this first year internship yeah. program, but really we just touch on them. And and in the second year advanced program, we start getting more diving into those a bit deeper, um, you know, things like crop planning too, working with Excel spreadsheets and really mm. dialing in your plan for the season. And all this stuff can be applied to a livestock operation as well. It's just some differences in the enterprises that folks are doing. Mm -hmm. In other words, um, farming requires a really diverse set of skills and it's probably better that folks team up with other people because it seems like having to do all those things of the growing, the marketing, the, um, managing the business, tools, the managing, yeah. et cetera, would just be a little much for a, a single person on their own to really handle. So how would you recommend folks find other people to work with this on level? Start a commune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, I mean, one of the benefits, I think, of a program like ours or other similar um, beginning farming training training programs is there's typically a cohort of yeah. folks that come into it and can network with each other. And, and by the end of the season, they probably know each other pretty well. And so that's one way to meet folks. Um, other, other ways, I would say just, um, you know, going to local events and, and workshops that are of, of interest to you and like meeting the other folks that are there, volunteer events. Um, I don't know, do you have any thoughts? I'd say ask your local extension agent for There you go, yeah, <laughs> advice. absolutely. At, so talk to OSU Small Farms. Um, they have great programs in terms of uh, growing farms for folks who are looking to get into the dream or, or early on, but also just a really wide network of um, knowledge and, and contacts with other folks out in the community. And Nelly, um, back to you in terms of agricultural heritage, you all unearthed some additional questions that need to be explored to really understand this moving landscape of uh, preserving farmland. What other things should we be looking at in the near term? We should be looking at what are going to be the consequences down the line of new land ownership of agricultural land. So we're seeing um, folks, we call them amenity owners, so they love the view, but they don't want to put the land into production. So it's taking land out of production. And also investment and development speculators, so people who are purchasing ag land because it's a better investment than the stock market. So what are they going to do when it's more lucrative for them to sell out that land or maybe to try to develop it? How is that going to change the look of our landscape? Are there um, buyers coming from out of state and swap uh, swooping in on Oregon ag land as it goes for sale these days? For Willamette 
Willamette Valley counties that we looked at, about a quarter to 40% of the sales were made to what were probably investment or development speculators. Interesting. Um, so was, they're, they're yeah. buying the land to hold it, and they may or may not do short-term production, but they're just waiting to see what happens. Exactly. They've been doing that in the Midwest for a long time, and they are definitely starting to make their mark on Oregon. Cool. Nellie, what inspires you the most about your work with Rogue Farm Corps? I love the team that I get to work with. I love that we get to work from, I guess, seed to harvest, working with farmers and pre-farmers from around the country who are coming to us, and then really helping to look at the end of the spectrum, too, to a lot of the aging farmers who are just um, seeking someone to take over their land. And Matt, Mm -hmm. how about you? What inspires you the most about your work with Rogue Farm Corps? Um, So many things, but I'll just say that uh, seeing um, an intern go from the beginning of the season where they're just super excited and green through the middle of the season where they're maybe like, oh, this is the pits. Why am I doing this? To the end it's of the season of where they work. pulled through and said, you know what? This was worth it. And I've learned so much. I've gained so much. I really see what farming is all about. I'm going to go mm-hmm. forward and um, learn some more. I'm, maybe I'm going to work on another farm or something like that. That's just all nice right. to so see that progression. The, the progression of folks going through a season and it really takes seasons or multiple seasons to learn the art and craft right that's cool this has been grow pdx radio show and podcast for this week thank you so much for joining us show was produced by me weston miller and diana suarez and will romey of x-ray fm thanks to nelly and matt for joining us we appreciate it take care oh and also thanks to shirley verna jenny janet roy linda cassandra